Hello, hello. Welcome to the regular exclusive. I am Jace, the regular, and as always, with me is Renee, the exclusive. And we are here to talk about movies, TV shows, stuff that we watch because it consumes our life. Renee, how are you doing? Doing good. It's, uh, you know, we've been having like a heat wave and today it finally like chilled down. I mean, granted, it's like still 90 degrees, but a lot better than 115, let me tell you. Yeah, I had a kind of a side thought randomly when we were preparing for this episode. And I was like, you know, it's really hot out, but we don't know when people are listening to this. Kind of felt like we should just start saying random things about the weather just to throw people off. Like, man, this typhoon outside is really making it hard to record. But, you know, hopefully the tornado (laughs) cancels it out. (laughs) Well, I've been excited to talk with you about what we've been watching this week because as you know, I've been doing some traveling and some of my best watching happens when I'm out of town. But what have you been watching? Well, I saw two new movies this week. The first was Men. Ooh, heard about that. Yes, I've been looking forward to seeing this. My boyfriend Nolan refused to go see this with me in the theaters. You know, it just really didn't look like his thing. (laughs) So anyways, we watched it the other night because it was the second it was available on Amazon Prime. The only option was to buy it. And I was like, (laughs) fuck it. I'm buying it. I mean, do you know Alex Alex Garland, the director's like other movies. No, what has he done? Um, Ex Machina and uh-huh. Annihilation. I've seen Annihilation. So good. Oh, wait. No, I'm confusing that with a, with Arrival. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. The Annihilation is Natalie Portman. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's really good. I love his other movies. They're both more like sci-fi, so this was more like folk horror. I don't know if you know the premise, but this woman is grieving her husband, and she rents a house out in this village, middle of nowhere kind of thing, which is always a great idea. <laughs> and every single man in the town is played by the same actor. Oh. It's like really freaky and it's just a really cool movie. And then I would say the last 15 minutes, I was like legit stunned and just totally disgusted and shocked by what was happening. When you see it, you'll understand. (laughs) But that ending really got me. And I am always pleasantly surprised when a film can do that. So I'd recommend it. But just, you know, it does get pretty graphic at the end. Okay. I love those movies. There's another movie that I would describe like the exact same way. Mother. That that might be a good pairing. Oh, it would probably be perfect. The last 15, 20 minutes of that movie, I was just like, what? <laughs> Literally, that's how I felt with this one. And so I'd be curious to like, right. I'll watch that one. And you watch Men and we'll talk about which ending is more fucked. But I think that <laughs> men might win. But yeah, the other movie I saw this week obviously was Nope. I've already talked to you about it because wow. I just can't tell you how much I love it. And that everybody should go see it on the biggest <laughs> screen possible. I have to go like three more times because I, I just missed a ton of stuff. It's so cool. There's so many layers to it. Yeah, he has a real, real talent for making rewatchable movies. Oh my God. Yeah, he does. I also just bought us and get out this week because I was like, I just need to have access to them at all times. Like I I need to be able to watch them whenever I want. Well, yeah, that's pretty much the the big highlights for my week. What about you? I had a very, very fun week of watching out of town. Like on the plane or like when you were actually out of town? All of it. All of it. So I'll get this out quick because it's just interesting. It was a rewatch on the plane back. I watched Thor one and two. And I was surprised because when I first saw them, I liked Thor two a lot better. We've talked about this. The bleach eyebrows are 
terrible. I still can't get over it. You have Chris Hemsworth. Why would you make him uglier? <laughs> That's just like an offense that I can't get over. But I'm assuming maybe you, you changed your mind on it? Yeah. I was actually really surprised. I would say the first one is worth a rewatch. It's actually a really good story. I mean, other than the bleached eyebrows, it's really good. And I've told you the thing that I am really like annoyed with Marvel movies right now is just every movie, the entire world or universe or multiverse is on the line. Every movie is just everything's going to get destroyed. And so the stakes are just always way too high. But the first Thor, the stakes are so low. They're medium at best. True that. He just wants his hammer back. Yeah, it's this story of redemption. It's like it just focuses on the characters. And I thought it was really good. I actually thought that the first Thor movie would actually be like a really good Disney Plus series because it's kind of like these phases of just, you know, character development, which is really good. And then there's like a little bit of action. The second one is a very entertaining movie. It's not as good of a story, but it's very entertaining. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in like the production of it that was insane. But it's that same thing, like the entire universe was at risk. It was right after the first Avengers. So you're like thinking, so none of the other Avengers are going to get involved in something of this scale? Yeah, like. like when WandaVision was going on, I'm like, where the fuck is Doctor Strange? I agree with you when it gets into this universe stuff. It just becomes too much. Yeah. And don't get it twisted. Thor Ragnarok is still the best one. I haven't seen Love and Thunder yet, but it was a fun rewatch because I didn't like it when I first saw it. And then going back, I was like, oh, this is actually a really good story. I do always love that when a movie that you think you don't like and then you end up liking years later don't like give me shit for this but when i first saw the happening i was like this movie blows and then years later i watched the happening and i was like i actually think this is a good movie wow it's not as stupid as people are saying i mean granted the biggest problem the movie has is trying to get us to believe in any way that mark Wahlberg would be a science teacher i mean there's just no way no miss no we're not gonna hurt you we're not gonna no we're that's not what we're doing no. Is that supposed to be Mark Wahlberg? <laughs> yeah, when he's talking to the old lady, you're gonna kill me. No, 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 we're not. No, I promise. We're not gonna, no. <laughs> See, I, but yeah, I just think that like people just were too hard on that movie. Same with like Lady in the Water. That's another one I thought was just bullshit. And then when I saw it again, it's like you just appreciate it later on. There's just other things. Maybe it's the time in your life. Maybe I need to go back and rewatch Shyamalan. And maybe I need to go back and rewatch <laughs> Thor. Just the first one. So the next year, this is what I really wanted to talk about. So I was hanging out with my niece. She's young. And she's like, I'm going to pick the movie we're going to watch. And I'm like, that's probably not going to work out. But okay. So she goes on Netflix and she picks the a new animated movie that came out, Sea Beast. Oh, I think I've seen the like thing on, on Netflix for it. Yeah. It is wonderful. <laughs> it's like a, it's an animated it's movie. Yeah, it's How to Train Your Dragon, but it's Netflix's version. And it is wonderful. It's delightful. Like, <laughs> That's what I feel like you're like it, right now. It, it literally is. I was just like, you're going to pick a bad movie. And then she picked it. And then 30 minutes in, she was like saying something to me. And I'm like, would you stop? I'm trying to watch this movie. <laughs> like, I was really engaged in it. <laughs> That's so fucking funny because I feel like that is exactly like that Paddington 2 joke with the Nick Cage movie when he's like, he's asking Pedro Pascal like what his top three movies are. And he says like two like classics. And then he says, and the third probably Paddington 2. And Nicolas Cage is like, Paddington 2? Are you kidding me? You're kidding me. There's just no way. And then it like cuts to them watching it and they're both just crying. Paddington 2 is incredible. 
I fucking told you. <laughs> it's, it's so good. It really honestly made me want to watch Paddington 2. I haven't even seen the first. I have never heard anyone in my life talk about Paddington 2 like they've seen it. It's only that it's the highest rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, yeah. Why? I don't know. I've never heard anyone be like, oh, yeah, it is totally the best movie. Like, That's why that clip, like, I saw that clip and then I was like, okay, I knew that that movie was going to be great just from that. But. Yeah, so Sea Beast, it's it's just great. You should watch it just for the graphics. Like mm-hmm. it's gorgeous. It's such a good looking animated movie. I was really, really surprised by it. Like the opening scene is a floating out, out in the middle of the ocean thing, but like the water is just like it looks real. It's it's wild. It's also just like really good in a lot of different ways. There's some great action scenes in it. I'm like, this is Marvel level action. This is awesome. They can do a lot with animated action nowadays. Like, no joke. This sounds right up my alley because I just also forgot that I finished the final season of Jurassic World Camp Cretaceous last. Week. <laughs> and that show is also animated and like seems like it'd be for kids but it has some really good action shit and the dinosaurs are actually scary and I, I mean i get it i'm here for like some good animated shit maybe netflix <laughs> just needs to double down on the animated stuff because so far they're better than they're the best movies they've made that i've seen but anyway the last thing so i don't know if you're like this but it's a weird thing about me whenever i travel i just like end up watching things that i have no desire to watch when i'm at home is it just the different location i'm not sure like whenever i'm traveling i just for some reason want to watch shark tank this whole week while i was out of town like every day i was watching shark tank and then right before shark tank was family feud so i was just like watching family feud and shark tank (laughs) i used to do that all the time with my roommates because like and then me and nolan got into a thing where we would tune into fucking family feud every night we were like (laughs) i love this goddamn shit and then i was like we have to stop this because we're like 80 years old right (laughs) yeah like it was funny i was watching family feud with my mother-in-law and like i'm watching it like i'm watching football like they're like making guesses i'm like oh what (laughs) yeah right whenever they like get the offers or like whatever you're like oh and then like when they don't take it you're like what well no i would say family feud like when they get the steal or if they get the last thing i also get that way about shark tank but also yeah family feud trying to guess All the categories is always fun. There was this one. This is the only category I'm going to talk about because this story was just wild. The category was things that young frogs are better at than old frogs. And so people guessed like ribbits or croaking, jumping, swimming, like things like that. And then there was one left. There's one vote for it. And the team could not figure it out. And then it went to the other team. And they're like, get the kiss from the princess. And it was right. And they (laughs) stole the whole round and won the game. Oh, my God. (laughs) Yeah, there's some really bizarre answers there, like, a lot of the time. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? It it reminded me so much of an Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode where they do a a ripoff of (laughs) a family feud. And every round, there's one answer that's totally obscure. And Charlie, Charlie Day, his character, gets it every time. But they never say it because, like, that's ridiculous. But he gets it every time. 
every single time. That's like they do something like that on Family Guy where Peter like has some random one that he guesses at the end and it's like some really long answer. And they're like, how the hell did you know that? And he's like, I submitted it on the audience thing or like whenever when they were doing the poll. Or whatever. Yeah. So he's like, I gave them that answer. That's yeah. a that's a great like double feature though, like TV show. Like that's a great lineup. Yeah, it was wonderful. And then since I've been back, haven't even had a thought about watching more of it. It's just a weird thing. Yes, it is. Well, I think that about wraps us up on what we've been watching this week. So let's get into these two movies after a quick break. So we are talking about two great movies from a very good, great director. What's Amazing. his name again? What's Scott his name again? Derrickson. I just don't want to hog the mic. Um, <laughs> um, and then the, it's also his, him and his writing partner. It's the same for both movies. So I just want to give a shout out. Uh, C. Robert Cargill. They're both great follows on Twitter as well. Just nice. people and they're very talented. Their movies rock. Just out the gate, got to get the respect in there. Yeah, the the thing that's really surprising after watching these two movies, and also he directed The Exorcism of Emily Rose. Yes. He he also directed Doctor Strange. Yes. Just seems like a real kind of like random type of movie to throw in there. <laughs> like, yeah. But yeah. And these I, two movies, I don't know if you have we already said we're talking about Sinister and The Black Phone. Uh, I don't think I did, but now you okay. did. Just wanted to confirm it because you were saying about the Doctor Strange movie, which is interesting because he was actually set to direct Doctor Strange 2, but he left to do the Black Phone. And people mm. say, oh, creative differences. I think he didn't want to do. Yeah. He wasn't as interested possibly in the multiverse story. That's what I've heard. I, I'm sure that that's probably just a story. But from what I knew is that he really wanted to make the Black Phone. And he just, I guess felt more passionate about that so then they brought in sam raimi so i just think it worked out for everybody honestly well, yeah <laughs> yeah glad glad he did that for sure i think he made the right choice uh, okay 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 pace yourself we're gonna get to the black phone but <laughs> first let's talk about sinister so this movie i mean a basic kind of plot overview is uh true crime writer moves into a house to write a new story and the house turns out to have some tapes in it that um, when he watches them, some horrible things happen in the tapes and then some bad stuff starts happening in real life. Pretty, it's a pretty interesting movie. I mean, it's weird. This movie was inspired by the ring and it's a much better movie. It's yeah. Like the... I agree with that point. I noticed that, that they said that they're inspired by the ring and I was just like, huh, that is interesting because it does have similarities with the whole like, the, the stuff in, that you're watching in the video comes out in real life, too. But you should also mention that he doesn't just move into a new town to, like, investigate this crime where this family was killed and the child is missing. He also moves into the fucking crime scene house where the family was murdered. Well, we're going to get into that. I'm just given the overview. It's important to note. It's a bold choice. The way I took this movie is more of a cautionary tale of don't watch movies that aren't yours. If don't watch it, don't watch other people's home videos. You don't anytime. I mean, maybe it's just because I only watch horror <laughs> movies, but I feel like every time someone plays like a home video that's like someone else's creepy shit happens either there's creepy shit in the video 
or like the creepy <laughs> person's watching the videos and like making their moves or whatever. There's just fucked up shit that comes from that. So I agree with you. That's a good point. And so, I mean, just to kind of give some ideas, this movie came out in 2012. So the budget for this movie is, you know, roughly $3 million. Uh, this yeah. is an incredible movie for $3 million. Like, wow. Uh, it grew opening weekend it did uh 18 million dollars and then yeah gross worldwide it did about 82.5 million so talk about a low budget home run the creepiness of the like old school like super eight home videos really adds to the whole movie so i just like i fucking love it like the grainy kind of footage it's very like nostalgic but it just really fits it gives this whole movie a certain creepy factor that like if they were just maybe spent more money and were using like some other different kind of thing it wouldn't it wouldn't work as well like, i think that's a big mm -hmm. part of the creepy like the sounds even that the super 8 film makes and the the super 8 footage like the found footage aspect of this movie like when you watch it like it seems like they they put so much thought and effort into it like all of the found footage stuff is so mm -hmm. good and engaging like there's, you know, there's a lot of times where like found footage stuff, just it's a gimmick. This is not a gimmick. Like you are so into it and horrible stuff happens. <laughs> like every time you're watching another family die and it's just like each time you're like, okay, that fucking sucks. And then you're like, oh, wait, these guys are burned alive and they can't move. These guys are like tied to lawn chairs, <laughs> drowned at the bottom of a pool. It just keeps getting worse. And I'm just like, <laughs> all of these are just getting more fucked up. And then they start kind of showing more footage, like extended cuts, which is like, I love it. It's like the director's cut by the end yeah. or whatever. And it's like the the yeah. face that you see in the video, the the demon entity, whatever the fuck, Bagul, which like horrifying name, horrifying face. I hate that like he's looking at the footage and he looks away and then it like looks at him in on the computer and you're like, dude, fuck. Yeah. This thing is nightmare inducing. Yeah. <laughs> like really good creep fucking design. <laughs> I love it. It's it's terrifying. It, it's it was such a good decision for them to not to not show yeah. like any gore. But instead, they show, mm -hmm. like, Ethan Hawke's reaction. I mean, thank God they got him for this movie. Like, they got a really good actor. And he just really elevates a lot, totally. Like, if it was somebody else, I feel like it'd be a lot easier to just fucking hate him. Yeah. He's just an amazing actor. And then, you know, like you were saying, the videos get progressively worse. Like, his reactions yeah. get progressively stronger every time. Like, it first starts with... Them, them being hung and he's just like oh my god and then and then he sees like the lighting the car on fire and he's just like jeez jesus and then he sees the slitting throats and mm -hmm. like you see the reflection in the glasses and he's just like he's like quivering like what the fuck and then the lawnmower is just that part i i think i screamed when i saw it. i was like oh honestly really enjoy like, that's one of the things. That's why I like to see horror movies in theaters, because that's where the, the jump scares really get me. But sometimes, <laughs> even if you're just watching it at home, you know a good jump scare because it'll still get you there. I just feel like it's more easy when it's like, you know, the noise yeah. is turned up to like 150% in the theater. But like this movie, that lawnmower, I think is like most people agree is like the best jump scare of all time because you're like so stressed like waiting for whatever the fuck it's gonna come you're just following this on more for like a really long yeah. time 
It's like it's not like it's just like two seconds of the lawnmower. And then like that's what I love about it. it really takes its time. And then it just like fucks you right in the ass. I want to show this movie to my friend who like watches lawnmowers, like people mowing their lawn. because mm-hmm. like it's like ASMR kind of, kind of shit. You know, like you get the straight lines. The- yeah. You know, like people like watching certain videos, just like it's gratifying to watch. Yeah. 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 I want to show this to someone that I know, like likes the mm-hmm. straight lines getting cut in yards and be like just show them this movie and then they see that and they just have this moment where like oh, oh literally okay, this is my comic book <laughs> make it so good it's like if they're just like finally like relaxed and then you get them that's like the ultimate just like the best best jump scare possible and that'll <laughs> legit get a scream every time too okay so one thing i want to point out with this movie is i think this is the most efficient first 10 minutes in a movie I've ever seen. Like the first 10 minutes of this movie sets up everything so well. Like I wrote it down in the first 10 minutes of the movie, we learned he's a true crime author that had a big hit. And then his other other books just weren't well received. So he's he's on the down. He's trying to rebound. Then we also learned that his relationship with local police is not good. Because of his other movies, there was consequence, or sorry, his other books, there was consequences to his not so good books. So law enforcement don't like him. They know who he is. And then his, his job is very, very hard on his marriage and his family. So there we know the personal stakes of what's going on. And then we also learned that he's struggling financially and that's why they moved. So this next book that he's trying to write has to be a hit or else they're totally screwed. And so that establishes his character and desperation. It's like we learned so much stuff very clearly in the first 10 minutes that then just leads to everything else that happens. And also, I think that his character being a true crime writer, I think that's maybe the best job for a horror movie protagonist. Fair point. Like when I, the people who, People who are in like in true crime, they are obsessed with whatever they're doing. So like when he starts finding the footage and he just like starts watching it and starts trying to learn it and keeps watching it. Whereas other Mm -hmm. horror movies, it's like, you're dumb. What are you doing? This totally makes sense. Kind of reminded me of Mm -hmm. um, Patton Oswalt's wife. She was a, a true crime writer and she was investigating stuff with like the the Golden State Killer. Uh, Michelle McNamara and she yeah she was she was a true crime investigator like not part of the police or government she was she's kind of like started a lot of this like subgenre and she was so involved with that investigation that like it just led her down like these dark paths of just like constantly working, needing medication to to sleep to get through and and then she she ended up dying of uh, accidental drug overdose from this. And there's a really good doc documentary series um, on it called uh, I'll be, I'll be gone in the dark, but like seeing him in this movie, like investigating all that stuff. I was like, this is so like, this is what a person that does that. This is what that kind of author would Very do. True. They would just keep going down the rabbit hole. And so there's never a time where I'm like, this is not believable. You're stupid. It just made so much sense. But 
Renee, I wanted to ask you about this because I couldn't really think of very much, but like, is there a lot of like horror movies or thrillers where like the main character like is an author? Is Stephen King. Like literally every, almost every one of his stories, if not the main character, there's a writer somewhere in there. I mean, it's just the thing. If you think about like the most popular ones mm -hmm. that like Misery and The Shining, um, I could name a million more. I won't go on because he's got like fucking 70 books, but yeah, it's like, and this is very, this might be the one that I can think of, like, off the top of my head that doesn't, isn't related to Stephen King. It's probably inspired a bit by him, but I think it's like, you know, it it actually, it, like what you were saying, it just totally fits with, like, making this a more believable plot line. You know what I mean? So I, I really enjoyed that, that, mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, it felt more believable and it's not just like he's a, a fiction writer, you know, because then it's like I could believe that to a point. But you're right that people who do true crime shit, they get like fucking into that. Like it's there like they live and breathe it. And he also yeah. has those stakes where he feels like he he still has a chance to make it and be successful. And he's like really on to something. But it's like. I don't know, I I almost feel like I can relate to his character in this movie, not in a lot of ways because i mean i do kind of feel like overall he's a piece of shit husband like for and dad but uh i do feel like i can relate <laughs> yeah. to him because i also like stay up almost all night watching creepy fucking shit but and like i get like his drive to like <laughs> investigate and learn more or whatever but i do feel like you know i sure as shit wouldn't fucking move into a house where a family was murdered and then i'm investigating the murder like you know, he believes this to be a person. Who's to say that that person's not watching that fucking house? And they're like, oh, look, already another family. This <laughs> is going to be good. Right? And then you find those creepy fucking yeah. films. It's yeah. just, you know, he makes a lot of kind of stupid decisions, but they're justified because of what he what he's doing. So you kind of are still along for the ride. It, it's a perfect setup. Yeah, and... And his character, I, Ethan Hawke is is wonderful. But like, I love how they wrote his character. Where like in the very beginning, you're like, okay, he's he's a writer, he's pissed off some people with his job. But then like, there's just these little things. Where you're like, yep. oh, this guy kind of sucks. Like he, when he watch, like first off, he's watching his old interviews. Yeah, that is a thing that bothers me. And <laughs> he's like so obviously fake in the interviews. It's so good though the acting. Well, and then they're like, they're like, so what? Why did you start writing? And he's like, for the yeah, fame and the I money. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's like, as you learn through the movie, it's like, no, this actually was for the fame and the money. You're saying it's to tell the stories yeah. of the, these people, but it's like, no, it's not. So let me stop asking why I spend so much time investigating such grisly content. Fame and money? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. The, the honest answer is that I, uh, I'm really driven by a sense of injustice. And it's like, yeah, you just are so fake, <laughs> but it's so good. I mean, just he has a lot of layers to his character. I feel like, you know, he's also a similar like hero kind of, but like also kind of fucked up character in The Purge, which I think came out like the same year. So like crazy. Yeah. But I feel like I hate his character a lot more in The Purge. Like he's a real... I mean, his son is that's a movie where the son really ruins it for everybody and for me. But I feel like he's kind of a similar character. Where it's like a gray area if he's good or bad. He tries like he's set up to be like a good okay. guy, but you're not sure, you know, and he ends up making mistakes that kind yeah. of fuck him over in the end in both movies, actually. So 
you know, it's it's just kind of weird that these came out yeah. at the same time. Maybe that's why I feel like the purge just really jumped off and has a whole series now. So maybe that's maybe why this movie was overshadowed a little bit when it came out. Cause I feel like it wasn't super popular back then, but people realize now it's like really great. Maybe. Yeah. It made a lot of money that, but the thing that blows me away about this movie is I don't really care about rotten tomato scores. I obviously we all look at it and I don't always trust them, but like I always use it just to kind of gauge like heading into this. What should I expect? And I was, I was offended that this I movie know. is a 63%. I remember when you watched this movie cause you're drinking and you're just texting me like, I am extremely upset about this. I I don't normally care, but wow, this is I'm taking offense at this. And it was like all caps. I'm like, okay. Like I I was like, I know, right? It's it's very unfair, but I love that you were like, this is a movie that really deserves like maybe people just didn't get it or something, but I mean, I think just especially multiple viewings. I just love it more every time. It's so well done and it's like perfect. How could people not get it? When I was texting you, I think one of the things I texted you was like, this is why we shouldn't even have Rotten Tomatoes. Like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like it deserves to be gone after well, this. And one of the things about this movie that you know I love so much and what really makes it unique as a horror film is that it's a horror film that's shot almost like a a detective story yeah totally it, like it kind of reminded me mm -hmm. of uh of like seven a little bit like seven is obviously a, a real detective show like movie and it's gory but like the way that he mm -hmm. is tracking down what happened and like he's in true crime like yeah i do love a good like detective story and even if it's like a writer going through it, it's like, I still love that. It's just basically people solving a mystery. I'm always here for that because it's really fun, like a good ride. And you're like trying to figure it out with them, you know, but it just it was very cool because I feel like yeah. they didn't show their hand too early. Like they kept saving little pieces that were just like, oh, fuck. Like we knew we knew he's fucked from the first time you see the thing on the film. Right. You're <laughs> like, OK, wow, that's not a human yeah. being like this guy. I don't know how he doesn't know that. <laughs> instantly like that's not a mask that's a fucking demon like just you know you're already in over your head but it just we keep learning just enough about it that it like by the end when you kind of get a big reveal of like everything it is like seven in that way and it does kind of hit hard at the ending and i think it really works well that's that's one of my favorite things about ethan hawk's performance is he is so because he's an author and like mm -hmm. investigates and stuff. He's so determined that there's an explanation. But then when he starts talking with the professor, yeah. uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, that actor, he's like a fucking chameleon. We should do an episode just about his roles, because I don't think there's one that's <laughs> like the others. They're all so weird. And this is a great like <laughs> fucking a I love that guy. Welcome to the movie. Like so random, but like I'm here for it. Yeah, and great performance via Zoom or Skype or whatever it was. Like, he was great. The symbol is associated with a pagan deity named Bagul. He consumes the souls of human children. Early Christians believed that Bagul actually lived in the images themselves and that they were gateways into his realm. The professor is like, you should, you're telling me all these things. You should really, like, mm -hmm. stop whatever you're doing because, like, you're going is going somewhere bad like he knows it but then it's ethan hawks like as he's experiencing stuff the, the like watching him start to accept yeah that something supernatural is happening 
like when he has the deputy, conversation with them, officer, so James officer, James somebody. Um, I love him. Yeah, I love maybe, him as an actor, like in 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 the movies that yeah, I've seen. Him. Like, yeah, I've only seen him like these the, these two Scott what, Derrickson what a, movies, and then also um, it Chapter Two. He played Eddie as an adult, and they, it was like perfect casting. Oh yeah, that's but right, yeah, that's right. he's really good in both of these, and I do I really like him as Deputy So and So. That was a fun little character, but it also just like helped reinforce that Ethan Hawke's character is an asshole. You know, there's a page in your books where you always say nice things about all the people that helped you out. The acknowledgments? Yeah, well, yeah, and, and in each one, there's always, like, a line that says, you know, I, I couldn't have done this without the tireless efforts of deputy so-and-so from the local police department. Right. Well, I, you know, I could be, like, you know, your deputy so-and-so. You know, I mean, if you don't already have... I mean, he's basically <laughs> fucked from the beginning of the movie. This is kind of jumping ahead, but it's like, no matter what, unless he lives in that house for the rest of his days <laughs> and they don't leave. So it's really interesting that like yeah. in every other horror movie, I feel like with a haunting, you're like, leave the fucking house. I mean, some of them like insidious, they're like, oh shit, it followed you. Like in that situation, you're kind of screwed. But yeah. like most of the time you're like, just fucking go. And in this one, I love that they kind of reverse it. And it's like, no, if you leave, like you die soon, like right now, like it speeds up the process. And yeah. I do love like the whole twist of of a true detective, like kind of novelist, like inserting himself into the story. Right. And it's like, ooh, yeah. like you became yeah. the true crime. And th that is a, a, a nice I like that little gimmick like that where you move that's where the next murder happens. And then then somebody buys that house and then they move somewhere else. Like by you moving, yeah, you are carrying the monster through. That was, I, I enjoyed that. That was a Yeah, thing. it was just a nice twist on what the normal thing that you're expecting is. So I love it when something, whenever I just see something new that I haven't seen before, I'm always just like really into it. There was two parts specifically where I'm like, Ethan Hawke, you're you're being the worst right now i the first one where i was like okay if you die you deserve it was when he had that fight with his wife at like halfway through or towards the end but don't blame me for not telling you okay because remember you never wanted to know don't you would pin this on me i asked you i asked you if you were living near the house and you said no if we were living two houses down from a crime i was like okay you deserve to die like i'm like that is some semantics that really is fucked at this point i mean you're basically just like ruining whatever chance you had of like getting out of this thing with your wife now she's gonna be hella pissed because I hate that fucking, oh, I was like, oh, man, that's a yeah. real <laughs> shitty thing to do right now. You are definitely going to die. But I do like that he he is um, like a piece of shit, but it's like you still kind of care about him towards the end. Like still, you don't want him to die. But you're also like, like, God, he yeah. pretty much just screwed that whole family over. <laughs> it's like it's his fault. And this this movie has a, a lot of really great scary scenes that we should talk about. There's one scary scene, though, that I'm like. You, Ethan Hawke, why did you take this so casual? It was the scene where they found his I son in the part. box. It's so like, fucking freaky. Yeah, I was the like, kids okay. like crawling at the box. I was like, I was like, I get, I get night terrors, but like, no, this is like, I'm like, this child is disturbed. <laughs> I I was like, this. I was like, kids, obviously, if my kid did that, they were like, oh, he's just you know walking around again. It's like, oh, really? Is that fucking a night terror? I would say that's like possessed by the devil. <laughs> yeah. 
the way he's like screaming and like bending backwards yeah. out of the box. I was like, they're acting like this is fucking normal. This kid is definitely possessed. So I did. I was surprised yeah. the first time because I thought he was definitely the problem, but it was the daughter, which was a nice twist because, yeah, she's like seeing the ghost, yeah. but you're also like, yeah, well, look at what that kid's fucking up to. Okay, he is fucked. I've, I've seen Night Terrors. I've seen Sleepwalking. My nephew Jackson, he was sleepwalking, and he walked out to the kitchen and stood in front of the oven and then peed himself. And my mom's like, Jace, go, 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 go wake him up. I'm like, I don't want to die. This is the thing where, like, I tap him on the shoulder and then he just, like, turns his head, glares into my soul, and then throws me across the room. Like, that, I was trained to think that's what was going to happen. But, no, he was dreaming and thought he went to the bathroom. Mm, yeah. But, like, a terror. Like, has he freaked out before? Well, then when we tried to get him into the shower to, like, clean him up he was like still asleep and he was losing his mind yeah there's they always say you're not supposed to wake a sleepwalker you know like and i'm like what are they gonna kill you if that yeah. happens like um, i'll never do it i guess like we're not just gonna put him back into bed covered in just piss. like let him like... stand sleeping in the shower and just have the water on and just lock him in there <laughs> <laughs> yeah but just like the way that ethan hawk's like yeah he he got himself into a box and then you know was just crawling out of it backwards i'm like okay you <laughs> red flag <laughs> major red flag that was more weird to me than him being outside when he found him yeah, outside sure. i was like i could see that like, like yeah but like just the crawling out of the box he's just asleep like really <laughs> what kind of fucking nightmare is that kid having it looks like he's fucking like transforming <laughs> into something like i'm not here for this it's like but it's like i get angry that like he doesn't realize these signs earlier on but you're also like you know, I feel like it tracks because most guys that I know are like, oh, logically, there has to be an explanation. It couldn't be fucking paranormal shit. Yeah. I'm like, how do you know? You know, I'm willing to accept that I don't know any everything about everything. So mm. I'm willing to accept if my kid's acting mm. like that, my first thought is, okay, we got to get a priest in here or some shit. I'm going to need somebody to check this out. I'm going to lock him to his bed because he needs he needs to be yeah. cleansed. This guy is freaking the fuck out. That's that's not normal. I, I mean, I can't imagine that's a normal night terror. Yeah, yeah. That was that was the one scene in the entire movie where I'm like, that's a little dumb. But uh, but like that. But like everything else, like I was so in on yeah. again because they laid everything so clearly in the beginning. Like the, I loved that scene so much where he's walking down the hallway and mm -hmm. all of the kids are like running behind him, but they're like moving at half speed and like learning how they did that. And like layered two different mm -hmm. like camera film on top of each other to like get that effect because he was moving in normal speed, but then everyone else behind him. I was like, this is terrifying, but also such a cool like scene. <laughs> I mean, I think it's like I saw some article that was saying it's like, they did a test of like monitoring people's heart rates watching horror movies like the top you know like what people say are the scariest and like their heartbeats were the fastest watching this movie and i was like i could see it i mean personally i don't mm -hmm. i think my pulse was probably the highest watching nope like i literally felt it like like literally nolan felt like he was gonna have <laughs> a heart attack at that movie like five minutes in he was like my chest is killing me i'm like are you okay are you really gonna die at nope <laughs> But <laughs> I feel like, you know, this movie does just keep that sense of dread like so steady that it's like really stressful the whole time. 
you know, there's there's not a lot of scenes during the day. And if mm-hmm. it is, it's a quick thing where he's fighting with the family. That's pretty much it. And then it's like dark fucking yeah. shit, creepy things. He's watching horrible shit. I mean, it's just it really maintains the the mm-hmm. pure terror that you like that you want in a horror movie. It like does not let up, and then it just really yeah. ends with a bang. And I'm I'm really glad you, that you finally saw it because I feel like this is just a classic. The the ending is so good. Like the reveal, like I thought it was built up so well. Like in a lot of horror movies, you kind of you they have the reveal like or a little bit earlier in the movie, or like it's building up to them fighting whatever the monster is. And this is done more like a mystery where the reveal is that the demon is not doing all these things directly. The demon is doing it through the children. Like that's the thread. And then he like realizes that the daughter drugged him and it's like, Oh shit. And he had just gotten the message right from the deputy that was like, it's like every time that they move, that's when the murders happen. So you just like accelerated this guy's timeline. And you're like, Oh fuck. So it's like literally all three threads, like all wrap up at once. It's just gorgeous. And then, it like you just get the death scene with the kid with the axe. It's like pretty horrifying. And then like she runs off with all the other dead kids yeah. and Bagul. And it like ends right there when you're like, shit, like what the fuck? Like it's just perfect. It knows exactly yeah. like this is the culmination. And then it just, yeah, it's over. And after it's this so like good. crazy shit rocks your world. It's a really powerful ending. Yeah. I mean, thank you so much for <laughs> For, for finally getting me to watch it because this is an a-tier horror movie it's like it's 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 so good it's so unique so yeah it is great all right i have one last question for you um as we've as we've discussed in other other conversations in terms of like horror situations your go-to is to kill yourself i mean yeah at, at what point in this movie would you say I'm out? Like, I mean, the thing is, is that it's like, <laughs> I want to say like, inst- I, first off, I wouldn't even move into the house. I think that's if I'm main character, like talking to the talking to the sheriff and like seven minutes in, I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I never would have even like stepped foot in the house, let alone bought it. Like, that's the thing. I don't think I would ever like I would always ask if I mean, I have never bought a house. But when I do eventually, I would like to ask, like, has anybody died here recently? Like, I, I don't want to be in a murder house like you know it'd be maybe cool stories but like i don't want to fucking deal with that shit and it never ends well and then you're stuck in debt because you own the house you can't leave i would just i feel like i would have to nope out of there at the very beginning but then i would probably just like get killed faster so after the first video if i found a creepy fucking found footage up there yeah the scorpion and the found footage i'm out i'm not watching that <laughs> there's are you kidding me if 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 you move into a house there's nothing in the attic but a fucking projector and a bunch of old movies. No way am I watching that. There's just no chance in hell that I'm being like, <laughs> oh, I wonder what this is. Like I said, anytime anyone watches anyone's home movies or their VHS tapes, it never goes well. This is not going to end. I'd probably pretty. just move anyways. <laughs> I'd be totally fine with just packing up my whatever, whatever's in the car. Let's go. We're getting out. This is not happening. Or... Just don't have a kid. Then you can watch the creepy shit. Exactly. And not die. He only (laughs) wants kids. That's true. If you don't have kids, like, what's the plan? He's not going after you. And what's the age cutoff? Like, 17, 18? You think you'd take an 18-year-old? That'd be weird. He's not going to have much friends. Like, all of his friends are, like, eight (laughs) years old in the afterlife. It just seems kind of like, 
strange but yeah that's a good point if if like a single cup like a single person or like you know a couple with no kids what what does he do does he go well i'm just gonna kill them myself and then i'll wait for the next family and we'll we'll see and then if not i'll kill them so i think i think what we're getting to is that the the declining birth rate in the u.s is what kills bagul it's <laughs> but great movie i'm glad uh, you loved it it was wonderful Okay, so The Black Phone is the newest movie by the same duo of Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill. They both also co-wrote this movie and Scott Derrickson directed. And it's based on a short story by Joe Hill, who is a great writer and is also Stephen King's son. The basic overview of the movie is a teenage boy is abducted by a child killer and locked in a soundproof basement where he starts to receive calls on a disconnected phone from the killer's previous victims. And it's mm-hmm. that like they are trying to help him escape with all these different methods that he can try. And, you know, it's it's really like majority of the movie is literally just this kid in the basement trying to get out of there. And it it really is crazy how much I mean, they do have some other stuff. They really they did like expand the short story and but it all fits really, really well. And they keep the pace up very well for it being like a majority of these two people in a room or one kid even by himself with like some other ghostly shit. Yeah. I want to talk about the kid cause he's awesome in this, but one thing real quick, I, I feel like the world just wanted to see this director, this screenwriter and Ethan Hawke back together again. A hundred percent. Cause this, this movie came out, 10 years after Sinister. Yep. And they got a budget six times bigger than Sinister. It did 23 million in its opening weekend. And then worldwide, uh, this came out just like, yeah, like a little over a month ago. And it's done, you know, over 131 million worldwide so far. So like, it's already, it's already outperformed Sinister. Like, oh yeah, (laughs) the world just like wanted this. This is like, a great movie it's not from a franchise either so it's not and it's not a reboot or a remake you know it's it's a new story that people haven't seen adapted before and joe hill stories have been adapted but this is definitely the top tier of them like this is like wetting the appetite i feel like more people we want more joe hill now and i mean th- these three together like combine it all add in ethan hawk I mean, it's just a dynamic like group, and I'm yeah. I'm here for it. I think it's cool too that Ethan Hawke is playing a villain in this versus, you know, him playing more of the hero in the last story. Kind of like not not necessarily the perfect man, but uh, you know, he's basically the the main character, right? And but in this movie, like you're definitely not rooting for him. You're like, fuck this guy, <laughs> right? Yeah, this is not a performance that I expected from Ethan Hawke. Yeah, he's so good in it. I mean, and also the fact that he's wearing a mask the whole movie, the is, whole movie. It's really hard to act with that. There's just so much expression. And he his mask also like changes shape and covers yeah. different parts of his face. Yeah. So I feel like it's like he has to be able to utilize every part of his face that's showing at any given time. There's just something about him. He's given off this energy the whole time, no matter what. This is a villain I can get behind. Well, and while we're talking about masks, so 
this movie, he, he was amazing wearing a mask. He was so good. Like there is never any point where I'm like, man, I wish I could, I could see his face so that I could get a better idea of the character. Like I never felt like that. Yeah, it, you don't it, need it. And it made me uh, think about some other great performances with wearing masks. So I made a list for you. Perfect. So first one is, uh, I might not pronounce all these right. Hugh Keys uh, Byrne. He is the bad guy in Mad Max Fury Road. Then you also have Jackie Earl Haley from Watchmen. He was Rorschach. You got to throw in James Earl Jones and Darth Vader. I mean, it's not even him in the outfit, but yeah. Well, <laughs> there is someone else that falls into that category. Uh, but then also Tom Hardy as Bane. No one cared who I was till I put on the mask. It's interesting. I feel like there's some obvious ones you haven't listed yet. So I'm curious where you're going with that. Oh, here's, here's my number one. Actually, hold on. Honorary mention. Lee Bing Hun, the frontman, Squid Game. But the king of kings, Mr. Hugo Weaving, V for Vendetta. Okay, no, no, no. I mean, yeah, good, good performance for sure. Who is but the form following the function of what and what I am is a man in a mask. He's yeah. like James Earl Jones. He just did the voice. But so I it think doesn't count. It does count because I think Hugo Weaving should retroactively win the best actor Oscar for that year because he's incredible at V for okay. Vendetta. He's incredible voice acting. That's sure he can win best voiceover. But I'm talking about like. OK, hold on. Before you give this list, if you give me a bunch of people that are only masked for a portion of a movie or if you can see their mouth. I'm going to discredit your your entire thing. Okay, but you can also see Ethan Hawke's. Like, throughout this movie, you see his mouth. He sometimes wears the top mask and then nothing on the bottom. No. You know, he switches it up. You never see his mouth until his mask gets ripped off for that second. No, he also wears, like, just the top with the bottom at the very end. Like, when he shows up and kills his brother. Spoiler alert. Okay. Um, anyway. I feel like you're going to give me a list of people wearing headdresses. Okay, I don't know what you're thinking for me. I think I can I can handle this. I said uh, Jason, first off, as okay, a character. Okay, doesn't talk. Doesn't talk. Doesn't matter. It's still it a fucking talk. terrifying this performance. Acting, I'm going to no. say Jason from the Friday the 13th. You're going to list off every horror movie known no. to man right now, aren't also, you? Let me guess. Mike Myers? Uh, it's not Mike oh, Myers. Yeah, what that's, a captivating. That's Austin Powers. Acting. Okay, watch Halloween Kills and tell me you don't love the guy who's playing Michael Myers. In that riveting, movie. riveting dialogue. <laughs> okay, it's not dialogue. But again, sure, some of these people had to act, whatever. But like some of them were like just voiceover. I don't think that counts. You're you're saying that some of these people had to act, but Mike Michael Myers. Stop calling him Mike Myers. He's not Austin Powers. <laughs> We're on a very casual basis. I call him Mike. <laughs> He's just a very creepy villain. He has a very specific presence, and it's oh. not always great in every movie. But that's why I'm calling out the new I knew Halloween you would movies. Ruin this. <laughs> he has okay. Watch either of. Have you even watched the new Halloweens? Either of yeah. them? Okay, thank you. So I don't think you could really say. Uh, I can say. Does he have a single line? Uh, he doesn't have to. He does yes, a yes, lot does. with his body. No, he doesn't. There was no rules of if they had a speaking line. I think the rule was if they show their face or their mouth. No. That was the rule. Okay, fine. My final my final one stunt then. Stunt people are not actors. They're stunt people. They're incredible. The guy who was a stuntman who played the Night King, he ended up like really having to act in that role and doing a lot with it. Yeah, he had to show his face. Okay, well, anyways, my final submission for this category, I think you'll agree, is going to be John Carroll Lynch in uh, American Horror Story Freak Show as Twisty the Clown because he wears that freaky-ass mask with that giant smile across his face, and he is just a great performer in general. I love him mm -hmm. and everything, and he's very terrifying as that clown. I'm good. 
clown. He has a very similar, like, you haven't seen that? Oh, my God. Well, it just reminded me why I fucking hate clowns, so. I gave up on American Horror Story after the third season. Oh, well, I mean, honestly, I'm still with it. I'll watch it no matter what. But there is something to, like, the clown mask. And the the mask worn by Ethan Hawke and all of its variations in this movie. Literally perfect. It's the best mask I've ever seen. To me, this is, like, the most terrifying mask I could look at. I agree. It It is terrifying. My list was not the most terrifying mask. It was actors who have to perform with a mask that covers majority of their face. I got at least the mouth. What about motion (laughs) capture when it covers all their face? It's just, you know, visual effects covering, not a mask, but similar, right? Are, are you saying that, like, if visual effects recreate your mouth with CGI? Is, yeah, is that... That, does that count? No, because <laughs> it's not covering their mouth. <laughs> I just want to extend this category and make you mad about, like, all these weird submissions. But you have I... achieved it. <laughs> I did research for this, and I was like, you know what? She's going to get it. I'm not going to lay out all the criteria she's gonna get what i'm trying to say and i'm sorry that i was wrong you (laughs) you just had to ruin it (laughs) well i'm sorry i just feel like there should be more villains from horror movies i would put jason in the list of most terrifying masks but that was not my list okay whatever maybe i was unclear on the rule we can all agree that ethan hawk's the best out of anybody on this list right i would disagree i would put him on the a tier with hugo weaver okay i get it i'm willing to accept that i was trying to have us like have a shared like oh yeah this is amazing but no you're like uh, <laughs> you disrespected jason and michael <laughs> All right. Anyway, this is amazing. I do love how they changed the mask throughout. It's like the different masks are, yeah, his different emotions. Mm-hmm. And it also, it helped the adoption of like, this guy is insane and he's going more insane. I was really starting to like you, Finny. I almost let you go. And then they use the children to explain that you have to play the game and that's why he's getting mad. And mm-hmm. let's talk about the kid. I was curious, you know, like anytime I go into like a s- supernatural kind of movie, I was curious, like, how are they going to do it? Are they going to explain it? Is it going to be believable? Is it going to make sense? And I didn't have any thought of like, how does this work? How does this black phone work? Like, it's a disconnected phone, and yet all these kids were murdered here. And so it's like their spirits are haunting this place, and they want to save they want to save other kids and so they're helping i loved it yeah i mean that's what i think like stephen king and joe hill especially like they're just so good at getting you into a scenario or a, like a setting and characters and like i recognize that this all feels real to me like the mm-hmm. whole world that they show you and build up and then they introduce some like supernatural element or some like otherworldly thing and because you're already invested and already like relating to everything, you're like, we're yeah. like, you're willing to accept things normally you might have questions about. And also, they don't overdo it. Yeah. They don't overdo the supernatural. It's just one aspect, but it's important. He also has the strength within himself to do what mm-hmm. needs to be done. This is also a really unique movie in that the ghosts are not the bad guys. Yeah. This is like Casper the Friendly Ghost. Yeah, know? but like terrifying. <laughs> well, like Ethan Hawke is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, because yeah. they're, they're dead. They look like are naturally. It's not like they all look like Casper. I just want to get that out there. But they're friendly to him. They're friendly to him for sure. <laughs> but like they look like they're here to kill him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like for me, I'm like, yeah, I'd see those kids. I'd kind of be freaked out. Like, are you going to kill me? Or are you going to help me? I don't know. Well, like here, maybe you can think of some other movies that would fall into this category where the ghosts are not 
the bad guys. So this Casper ghost. Yep, that's a good one. Great one. I do have another one. Do you do you have any more? Those are the three. Just oh. this is the top of my head. I didn't prepare this. I'm okay, just curious. Cool. <laughs> I just know the other with oh, Nicole yeah. Kidman where yeah, the twist yeah. at the end. Spoiler alert. It's been out forever. <laughs> 15 years old. <laughs> I mean, people still freak out about that. I'm just like, get get with the times. Okay. But yeah, they end up being like, it's like they think they're haunted the entire movie, but then it turns out that they're the ghosts. Yeah. And the other people are the ones doing the seance to try and get them out. Yeah. What a great twist. And it's one of those rare movies. Yeah, where like the supernatural stuff isn't always creepy. But yes, yeah, like sometimes when they use evil kid ghosts, you're like, yeah, okay, I'm here. Yeah. I get it. They're freaky as fuck. There's only a few I can think of where that's the case and the ghosts are like here to help. It's harder to write that story. Like, yeah. let's have a ghost, but let's have it not be the bad guy. I mean, I feel like that's like an underused concept. Yeah. The other thing that I really liked was how the ghosts didn't remember who they were. I don't remember my name. Why not? Uh, the main kid, he was telling us who these kids were. So it wasn't like this exposition dump or flashbacks or anything. Like he was, it was recognizing just, them. Yeah, it was yeah. just like, oh, you were the kid that did this and then you died. And mm -hmm. I thought that was just a really good way to actually like have characters interact with each other rather yeah. than just like, this is who I am. And here's yeah. everything you need to know about me. Like I know they have to get you that information, but it's nice when they do it in a way that doesn't take you out of the moment. There's no fat in this movie. No, it's like very lean and mean. And like one of the things that I, I've noticed like with Stephen King movies and probably as they adapt more of Joe Hill stuff, but their stories are so great, but it's like their longer novels don't necessarily make great movies because you have to cut so much out of it. Mm -hmm. They could be better for like TV if you did like multiple seasons versus a short story is excellent. Like you said, lean and mean great story and then you can expand upon that sometimes that goes wrong and you expand upon it in a terrible way or you can expand upon it like this where it feels soup like very nat i was gonna say supernatural but very natural to the original story which is basically everything that you see in the movie minus a few things i do remember that like it starts with the kid already in the basement yeah and then there's also like the twist with the brother at the end he comes down and then the killer still kills him that was a good twist i didn't see that really? coming yeah oh well maybe because i read the story but i also was like once he said i'm staying with my brother and then like the dog you heard the dog barking in a couple scenes with him and with ethan hawk and you're like i was like oh yeah yeah i think the reason i didn't see it coming or i, or I wasn't looking for it was just like that would be so weird like he's wearing the mask all the time it's like if you had someone in the house like wouldn't they see it but like yeah he's just in town he does he doesn't live there so i guess like theoretically yeah you could and hide. i mean he is doing like a ton of cocaine <laughs> yeah, but i do true. love that he's like trying to solve the mystery reading about this case a lot and i'm in between jobs right now and you guys could really use my help on one day i want to ask joe hill like like how does ethan hawk or the killer's character act normal right mm -hmm. like how is he without the mask with his brother like from everything that we can gather, he's a freak of yeah. nature. If I saw that guy or talked to him, I feel like, <laughs> unless he's a totally different person, yeah. you know, it's, it's interesting that they don't let us see any of that. So it kind of, I mean, obviously it's a big reveal at the end, but it's interesting to think about, like, how would he not know? It, like, thinking back on it, I'm really glad they didn't have that be a part of the story. The story's about the children. And, like, if we filled that backstory... It just adds to that character. If you're going to add to that character, then you're going to take something away from another story. So like, I, I was blown away by the two kids, the son siblings. and the daughter. Yeah, the siblings. Yeah. They were so good. And like, it is hard 
to have a movie be driven by children. Oh, yeah. Like, depending on who you get, it, like, makes or breaks the movie, honestly. get These kids really fucking made this movie. Yeah, and, like, you can mask bad acting if you have a movie where there's where they are interacting with a lot of people. Like, you know, grown actors who, like, I can kind of cover this up with really good act. Yeah. But, like, a lot of this was just him in that room by himself and then talking to the phone. And then she was really good. I, I would be curious if her storyline is not part of the short story because that's a great addition by by the writing team of like having these two stories parallel to each other like him trying to get out her trying to find him and then yeah having this little she's like a medium that, right that's kind of her thing yeah it's like i i mean i still think of a lot of things just in stephen king like world so i'm like it's like she has the shine right like she's got yeah. the shine like the kid from the shining that's what I'm assuming. So she has some sort of like premonition kind of dream. Yeah. I think in, I can't remember. I'm trying to look it up to see if it's in the story. But but yeah, I, I feel like there might have been like a small part of the story that had that. But I don't, I don't remember. If they did add that, it's like genius. It really just fit everything. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was really good. Yeah. I do have something to say about the yeah. dad. Lay it down. First off, the dad just sucks. And He's the worst. I feel like his a few things. His hair gets worse every time we see him. I don't know how, but it just gets uglier and uglier, like more unattractive. I mean, it's already bad, but it progressively gets worse. I don't think that actor has ever had good hair in a movie. I don't even know who that is. I, I've seen him. He's one of like those guys like if, he, if we looked at his imdb he would be like oh i've seen a lot of these movies but like i don't mm -hmm. remember his name um let me look it up jeremy david oh okay yeah i feel like i know his name oh i know him because he was an arrow okay that makes sense then because I, yeah i hadn't seen him but i just felt like his hair was like awful to begin with also like obviously he sucks i mean he's like beating the kids and that scene where he beats the daughters like so upsetting just to be clear the character is awful he doesn't suck as an actor sorry not the actor yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. i wasn't meaning that yeah. i just mean like i'm talking about the dad yeah he, he's a piece of shit yeah, yeah. fuck that guy no <laughs> and this might be controversial but like don't you kind of feel like the grabber treats him better than his own dad <laughs> it's a hot take <laughs> i mean it is and i'm not saying like obviously you know the grabber had horrific plans but he doesn't get to do that is this a classic story of abused going back to their abuser is that what you're trying to say i mean <laughs> i'm glad that he escaped and the dad's like oh i'm so sorry at the end but it's like you know too little too late dad you know i almost felt like a little vacation at first because i wasn't like getting beaten by a fucking belt every day although we do find out that that's like one of the grabber thing that's when the naughty boy part of the game comes into play which i did find interesting but like the inspiration behind the killer based on real life killer he was based on ted bundy john wayne gacy and Jeffrey Dahmer. It's like a greatest hits album. I mean, yeah, those are like some of the top guys. If you're going to take inspiration, they're all freaky. But I feel like John Wayne Gacy is probably the main inspiration behind the story, too, because he also used his belt on victims. He buried them under his house and he dressed as a clown and like did children's parties. Right. The Ted Bundy thing is kind of like his little ruse that he gets to get them to his car where he pretends to drop stuff and needs their help. And that's what Ted Bundy would fucking always do is, oh, I have my arms in a cast. Can you help me put this in my car? And that's why you never help anybody. 
Anyways, and then uh, Jeffrey Dahmer is the last one because like the scene when Finn escapes the house and he's running and then fucking Ethan Hawke recaptures him. That happened to one of Jeffrey Dahmer's victims. He was able Mm. to escape, but then he was recaptured, unfortunately. But still, pretty interesting, right? Yeah. It's definitely like whatever they mix all of that together, it's fucking terrifying. Like Ethan Hawke (laughs) is the weirdest creep like horrifying person I've ever seen. I did want to ask you this about him. He comes across like 100% that guy's a pedophile, right? That's the vibe he's putting out there. The grabber? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't show it. And I don't know if it's implied. I was curious what you thought. It seems like he never actually does anything like that. He just kills them horribly. But I don't know. Maybe he kills them while molesting them. I'm not sure. I mean, this is like a dark topic, but yeah. I was curious what you thought. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if they implied that he did, but I think in my head, just anything with children, usually there's, you know, crimes against children, you're you're a pedophile. Maybe not to the truest extent, but if you're drawn to children, whether sexually or just, you know, I only want to kill children, you're drawn to them. I mean, yeah, they might just go hand in hand. Yeah. I mean, I got the vibe the most, I think, when he said, I will never make you do anything that you won't. I do think in this scenario, my first move is to find something to kill myself with. I think that's what I'm doing the minute I wake up in this basement. I was about to ask you. So (laughs) obviously you can't kill yourself before you get taken. But when you wake up in the room, do you just take the top of the toilet and just bash your head in? (laughs) Do you drown yourself in the toilet? Oh, definitely not drowning myself (laughs) in the toilet. Oh, my God. No, I would try to find the most dignified way I could go out. I'd probably just like hang myself with whatever rope I have. I'm not that I know how to do that. So I'd probably like fuck it up. But I'd have to do it like at night or something when he was sleeping. Because I feel like if he came down and found me killing myself, he'd be like very upset with me. (laughs) You know, one thing does kind of come to mind that I liked a lot was like you have to play the game. You know, there is like a level of like he gets satisfaction out of torturing people. You know, like that's a that's a common kind of thing. Like they get satisfaction out of making people scared and putting them through all this stuff. And so like all of the kids, they were pissed because they made those mistakes. And so they played the game, whether accidentally or not. And so Mm -hmm. then he would beat them or do whatever to them because they would do what he wants. But he refused. And then that's what drove him crazy. But then also nothing actually happened to the kid. Like we didn't see the kid get beat or anything. The killer wants to play that cat and mouse. And so the killer didn't get that satisfaction. And it drove him crazy. Honestly, if you're going to be kidnapped by a child murderer and you're a kid, best scenario possible that you're going to get guys who have experience and they've all tried this stuff. It's like you're getting 18 weeks of knowledge thrown Mm. like a thrown at you. You know, I would be so stressed with like the kid with the combination lock. And he's like, I don't remember because it's like just the numbers all listed together. (laughs) It's like, what combination though? Like, is it two, thirty three, one, seven? Like, like, How do you hell? do a combination lock? Do you turn it all Thank the way you. around? Well, this this was set in the 70s, so like yeah. they were used to it. But yeah, yeah it's like kids nowadays would be like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I like how, yeah, he doesn't play the game, so then it drives the killer insane. And so that's why he just gets more and more unhinged because he he's doing all of this for his own satisfaction he's not getting that and so now he's just becoming unhinged it kind of reminds me of like the scene in wolf creek when he's torturing the girl and he's just scaring her just to get the reaction he's getting that satisfaction from her being so terrified if she just didn't do anything he would get really pissed and then probably do 
worse things. So I like this where we don't see the killer getting his satisfaction and what that leads to. I was really starting to like you, Finny. I almost let you go. And that's what's great about the payoff at the end is that mm-hmm. he literally uses every single person's advice into defeating the killer. Even the meat in the freezer uses it <laughs> to get past the dog. It's just chef's kiss, like just perfection. <laughs> I always love it when a lot of little details come back at the end. He's kind of trying all of these as he goes mm-hmm. and they don't all work. None of them work. And that's why he keeps getting more advice and further along in the process. And then it's like, Oh, the combination of everything together is what mm-hmm. does it. And that's just, it's just perfect. I mean, it's just great writing and great filmmaking. Yeah. All around just perfection. Was this an A24 movie? Seems like an A24 movie, but I don't think it is. Universal Blumhouse. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay, the little girl I want to shout out. I think Madeline McGraw is her name. She's amazing. And I could just watch footage of her swearing all day he could kick the shit out of either of you dumb fucking fart knocker i love this girl (laughs) i'm obsessed with her Uh, and she like hits that kid with a rock in the head and he's like bleeding so much i was like dude yeah this was this was a great movie i hope ethan hawk and director and the writer i hope they get together again you know in less than 10 years you know just do another horror movie because so far they're awesome. I would much rather have more of this than another Doctor Strange. Like, like yeah, let's have these. Multiverse of Madness was fun, but I agree with you. I'm glad this happened. Me too. Like, I mean, it sounds like they were going to wait for him no matter what, but I feel like I'm just, I'm really glad that he was able to just give us this sooner because I'm just here for it. It's like instantly I was like, okay, this is like a top tier horror movie, not just of the year, but in general. It, yeah, it's, it's awesome. Definitely a tier. And I'm also really glad that, uh, that it's not a 24 because, you know, I like a little competition, you know, a 24 can't be the only place putting out these like top-notch horror movies like and it's also fun because i feel like no matter what in an a24 wa- movie you know it's gonna be wild yeah. like there's gonna be something weird in there that's why a24 is supporting this it's cool to see like fucking universal and blumhouse putting out a movie like this i hope they triple the budget do another movie whatever you want great stuff 100 percent. all right well this was awesome All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to the regular exclusive podcast. Hope you had fun hearing me and Renee just going crazy on Sinister and the black phone. That sounds like we were having sex with them. We were just watching the movies, but that's okay. (laughs) Although we did, we did have a pretty uh, heated discussion about masks, which I still think I'm right about, but you know, maybe this is a good time that we should say interact with us on Twitter because maybe we'll do like a poll or some shit and see who agrees with who. It would be interesting. If you need more confirmation that you're wrong, you know, I hope that the listeners are willing to oblige. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) next week, uh, I think next week we are going to be talking about one of the most misunderstood movies in the last decade. Yeah, uh, maybe of all time. <laughs> maybe. I'm willing to say it. We're, we're going to be watching the HBO Max original Malignant. It's, it's not an original to HBO Max, is it? Well, it's exclusive to HBO Max. Oh, yeah. Okay, sorry. When you say original, it sounds like it was produced for them. Anyways... 
Sorry no. to sorry to mess up your thing there, <laughs> but I just don't want to get sued by HBO Max. <laughs> They're really going away well, from that shit now. We're we're watching this movie because uh, who knows if HBO Max is even going to be a thing anymore at some point. So they better not take away Malignant. <laughs> That's all I gotta say. Malignant Hive activate. Yes. Um, so yeah, Malignant is a, a James Wan movie, and it's misunderstood because. A lot of people thought it was going to be another horror movie, like The like, Conjuring. Yep. And, Insidious, his other movies that are great. Yeah. And it, it is just pure comedy. There is there is some horror elements to it, but there are just some of the funniest things you will ever see in this movie, and it's all intentional. It's yeah. just a good time. If if you have HBO Max, give it a watch. Highly recommend it. Just know if you think you're supposed to laugh or if you think something's weird, you're supposed to laugh at it. Just go into it. Remember that. And you're going to have a great time. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't have put it better myself. Don't look up anything about the movie. Even if you like spoilers like me, you're going to want to go into this blind. As blind yes. as a bat. This this movie has something that that everyone can enjoy. It has so many different things in it that it just it strikes all the right chords so yeah there's like definitely like a little bit of a oh my god what the fuck but it's like totally a fun time and if you just relax and enjoy yourself maybe take an edible have a <laughs> beer or something whatever you do to relax just enjoy yourself have a good time kick back yeah. you're gonna love it i yeah. think i hope and if not we're gonna tell you why you love it afterwards <laughs> in the episode i'm kidding you're welcome to your own opinion we don't we <laughs> We're supportive of that. <laughs> Watch it and then come back next week to hear us talk about it. But in the meantime, make sure to do all the social media things. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Instagram. Uh, we're always going to be posting content and other things that we watch and our thoughts on them throughout the week. Yeah, we got nothing else to do. We're <laughs> nothing else to put this shit. You know, we got to take this all out of our systems and put it somewhere. So. Exactly. We'll have fresh content for you because I know everybody loves that. Yeah. And <laughs> and also continue to send us requests. Yes. We we are watching those. We are planning out the future. And so requests are great. And yeah. we want to watch movies that you guys want to watch. Yeah. And yeah, we're going to have some fun with it. But in Fuck the meantime, yeah. have a great week. And we'll see you next time. Regular exclusive out. <laughs>